everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Friends, oh, I am so thrilled to be back with you guys. Y'all have been so patient and encouraging the past few months with your messages while I've been on break with our new little guy, Grantham. You guys continually amaze me with your support, even without new episodes. I have been so honored to see all the messages throughout the summer saying congrats, take your time, but please hurry back, we're waiting. I have loved knowing that the stories that we share here were missed. So here we are, we're back, season two, and I'm so pumped to see what God is going to do in our hearts. Today, I'm talking with Kelly Ramsey from Waiting in Hope, and y'all, this is the most incredible conversation to kick off this next season with. Kelly has faced so much. We call it Infertility Plus in our conversation. She's not only faced infertility, she's faced breast cancer scares, miscarriages, house fires, and even right now, she is on the precipice of a whole new battle. He brings such beauty from ashes. Like that's one of my favorite scriptures um, because he really does. Like he takes that, that, that pain, you know, it reminds us of Christ's death. He takes that pain of what death is and what ashes are and he rises it like Christ did. You know, he brings new life from it and he brings restoration and healing um, and nearness and closeness. Like I didn't realize until infertility, until these last several years of of this battle that he really is all about his intimacy with you. And he's really all about this relationship. Through everything Kelly has faced and everything that you are facing, she is going to point us back to Jesus, which is what this podcast is all about. So put your headphones in, grab a cup of coffee, and you might even want to grab your notebook and start taking some notes. Here we go. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me so glad we could finally make this work. I've been following you for, I think, since the beginning of the podcast, Waiting in Hope and all of what you have going on there. So I'm glad you could come on. Well, I am so honored and thankful and um, glad that I get to be on here and just talk to your community. So, Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Kelly Ramsey. I'm the founder and visionary of Waiting Hope Ministries, and only God could do that, (laughs) which is a national infertility support ministry. Um, So So I'm a wife of 13 years, which is crazy to say. And (laughs) um, as you'll hear in my own infertility journey, I'm a mama to two boys that I still just can't even believe. So Well, your story covers the infertility gambit of just everything, and it's still being written, as you'll share. But tell us a little bit about where you've been and where you're headed. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. I always joke that with friends, especially when I was going through it in the heavy seasons, that like, I feel like he, God had us on like fast forward. We were like (laughs) on this fast moving train, and not because we chose to, we attempted to slow it down numerous times, but it was like... If we were gonna, if you were gonna, if it was gonna happen, and you were gonna do it, it was us. I don't yeah. know. Why. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it all at you, <laughs> but it's okay. So where we've been? So we started trying around. Um, I can't even remember. I think it was five years of marriage. It's all a blur now. And then um, we're frustrated to realize after a year that there was just nothing happening. And um, I probably around seven months was like, I know me and like, I've never had easy health. So let's just go to the OB and just tell her what's happening. 
and I never had a positive ovulation test. And so I was like, well, that's obviously probably not the best thing. So I went to the doctor and don't put off OBs. Like, let's just not, it's not smart. And he was like, you know what, Kelly? Like, yeah, I think you probably have some issues. Um, and so she was a little proactive than most OBs would be. And she sent me for, to a fertility doctor because she knows I have a lot of um, health stuff already. And so she sent me to a fertility doctor before even one year, which is pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And so that realization that I think a lot of us have talked about of just like the identity switch and also just like the pain that comes in with that of realizing, oh my goodness, yeah, reality something's check. actually wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so went in pretty fast to that and they ran all the tests and all the things and I didn't make estrogen, didn't make enough progesterone. And so I was kind of a a gamut also of just what is happening. But yet I also, um, um, I didn't ovulate, but yet I had cycles and I, um, had plenty of eggs. And so they were like, you are fertile. We just have to make you work. (laughs) I was like, Oh, great. Um, cause it's that easy. And so Basically, we went in to Clomid, did um, IUIs. Around IUIs, we went to kind of fast because they had a trial. And so we're like, yeah, let's try it. Why not? It's before the holidays. And that was our first um, pregnancy and then our first miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And um, and the doctors kind of just like played it off like it was no big deal. Oh, it's a, you know, a chemical or a early pregnancy loss. And, and Which, like it, you have no idea what is chemical pregnancy. What? Yeah. (laughs) How am I supposed to feel about this? Yeah. And I was just like, it's life, right? It's life. And so that took me a while to really come to terms with. I don't think I Mm -hmm. actually dealt with it. And we moved right along and, um, then did another, um, IUI and just pain and struggle. I overstimulated and, that was hard. And then I had endometriosis. So we ended up doing a surgery, mm-hmm. laparoscopy for that. And that was not fun at all. Um, luckily, it wasn't extensive, but it was enough right. to deal with. And so then we got to add that to my list of <laughs> diagnoses. And then um, did another IUI and just like God stopped us when we needed to stop. It was almost like forced in a way, Mm -hmm. but I think when we slowed down to listen to his voice and to allow that time, um, to be, you know, present in his word and also asking the questions to him and, and seeking him, like he stopped us numerous times, which was good because if I wouldn't have, and Justin wouldn't have, my husband hadn't had to agree that this wasn't the right path or this wasn't the right time, or he didn't feel at peace about it. Like we would have just steamrolled this thing, mm-hmm. which is funny because that's not my personality at all. Um, I'm not a like type A or my husband is, he's a dentist. So like, yeah. um, but you know, there was times where it was like, let's just pause. Like this is not it. Or it was forced pause by overstimulating or having surgery or, um, or the next thing of, mm. um, I was, um, I had a failed IUI then was really disappointed by that one because it was after my overstimulation and like the doctors were like, here, we'll pay for everything again. Like it's totally our fault. And oh wow, yeah. In the overstimulation, they were like, you can go straight to IVF tomorrow, which was 
Valentine's night, which that's super fun Mm -hmm. to decide if you're going to do, um, such a big thing or not. And, you know, we didn't have the money at the time. He had just finished dental school and everything was late. Like tax returns were late. We just bought a car two weeks prior. And at that season, we were really just learning God's provision is attached, um, to God's will. And so God's provision would be money. Granted, we had friends, we had family who, if we would have called, they would have done anything they needed to, to get us to do that tomorrow. But we just didn't feel like it was right. Like mm-hmm. if the Lord was leading this then the Lord would um, provide um, where it's needed. And so emotionally, we didn't feel ready for that and um, spiritually and financially. So we said no, and they were really kind and like, well, we'll restart your next one at no cost. Like it's our fault that this happened, which was really gracious of them and surprising. Yeah. Um, which made me realize what a, an, what a gift, like a good doctor who cares is. And yeah. so we moved, um, I went on a trip cause I was just so numb and frustrated from all of it. And just spur of the moment decided to go meet up with a friend somewhere that I put off because I was like, I'll be pregnant. I'll be in cycles. I'll be trying, you know, like the list of the things. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Italy and went on this crazy, amazing adventure with the Lord and just saw him and, um, and got to experience his creation and all that. And he just spoke. And the weirdest thing he spoke was breast cancer, which is so weird. And I kept being like, God, are you like serious with this one? (laughs) Like, am I making this up in my head? But it was like everything I read, everything I saw. um, And he just kept like implementing in my heart, like, don't ignore this. And so Mm. I went to my OB right after that when I got home and I was like, here's what I'm thinking. And she checked let me give you a little backstory. My mom had early breast cancer. And so, um, it could, you know, run in the family at that point. I had been gene tested and all the things. And so, and here I was like pumping myself full of hormones. Not that that does anything, but I also realized that it could. Mm -hmm. So, um, my doctors, um, were like, um, my OB was like, we want to get these checked. There's some things we see. So I'm sending you to get, you know, ultrasounds, mammograms, and we'll go from there. And then I told my fertility doctor and they're like, we're not touching you. <laughs> you are oh, on wow. hold until we know more. And I was like, okay, great. So forced wait. And mm. so of course, then there's delays. There's the two week wait, even in that, you know, for appointments and for results. And so I went in for mammograms and, um, which turned into ultrasounds, which turned into the longest visits ever, um, by myself. And which turned into, hey, we need to get these biopsied. Most of them have um, cysts that we are concerned about that are irregular. And it just hit like a wave. I was like, and now we're on a totally different path. Mm. And so I was like, okay, God, now I'm going to wrestle with this. Not only are we not getting a child and not um, – this isn't ha- hasn't been easy. Now I might potentially have breast cancer. Like, what are you doing is what like the question just kept being like, why? Yeah. It seems cruel. Right. Um, and he just kept the, our word. So we choose a word for every year and be careful when you do that. Um, was trust. (laughs) Oh, I know that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) It was trust. We didn't choose one this year, which is really funny because we have just had a crazy few years and we were like, how about we don't choose a word this year? And we just allow God to show us. And, um, 
So that year was trust. And that is what he was doing. Like, do you trust me? And that's what I kept hearing in my heart. Like, do you trust me even in this? And I was like, I want to, but I don't right now. Um, Because here I am looking at two totally different paths. And I don't want either one of them at this point. Yeah. So it was like, Mm -hmm. it was one of those moments where it's like, either you're going to step into this faith and you're going to stand on the truth of the Lord, or you're going to fall to pieces because there's nothing else that's going to hold you. And like that realization in my heart was, okay, I am going to seek you harder than I ever have. And we're going to see like, God, where are you? And what are you going to do in this? Mm. And he spoke big, blew my mind. Um, My husband and I were studying the same scriptures. I didn't even know that at that time. And, you know, Psalm 33, 20 through 23, we wait for the hope of the Lord. He's our joy and him. We we rejoice as we wait and trust in him. And it was like, okay, Lord, like (laughs) clearly I understand. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust and I'm going to look to you. And so we prayed a lot that weekend because we had to, um, it was the weekend before my biopsies. And of course it was also the, um, weekend of like hearing from close friends that we were being lapped. Um, they were having, they were pregnant with their second and they hadn't told me, they told my husband to tell me when I, when they thought it was a good time, which I loved. It was the sweetest and kindest thing they could have done because we opened Mm -hmm. up our journey um, through most of it because we just felt like we needed to for our sake and for others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And to like, really, we just felt like awareness was key and like no one was aware around us because they'd never experienced that. So like, if we do it, then it's, if we have to be vulnerable, then we'll allow that God. Um, as hard as that was going to hurt, it also brought so much freedom and joy and like love. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we put up boundaries. Don't get me wrong. There were boundaries of people. We didn't really talk about it a whole lot because we knew it was just smarter and wiser for us because of their opinions. You know, you mm-hmm. kind of have to make right. those choices. So um, my husband was sweet. And once I was like fully trusting with the Lord after that weekend, like just surrendered a lot and heard from him a lot. And we found those verses together that we had both been um, reading and studying and meditating on. Like then he told me, and it was like this sweet moment of me, like crying, super sad for myself, but super excited for them because that's what I want for them. Like she was also told that she may never have because of some health issues she'd had. And so it was a beautiful thing and it was very real that you could have both emotions very clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was kind of like setting me up for all these things that I would later be able to, to give to these local leaders that we support through waiting and hope and these and these members that I first led within our first waiting and hope support group. And so like, just, he was just preparing the way for all these things that I didn't know I needed to learn and needed to be able to, um, show, you know, through my own experience. So, um, we went into biopsies that Monday. Um, and the night before I was like, something's weird. And I know my body and something seems weird and how I had an ovulation test still, I have no idea because I never ovulated on my own. So I took one for some weird reason. Cause it just felt like those pains. And sure enough, that morning of the biopsies, it was positive. And I was like, what are you doing? I was just like, God. And I remember like thinking the first thought I had was he holds my whole world and my whole life in his hands. As I'm holding that like 
you know, test. And like, mm-hmm. he's got it all in his hands. And which was like the perfect thing I needed going into biopsies for breast cancer. So I text my husband and send him a picture. And he's like, what is that? Are you pregnant? Like he's totally confused. Yeah. They don't know what these sticks are. I've learned that. <laughs> they don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not. Forget it. Never mind. Um, no, but, um, which is always so funny. I'm like, why do I send pictures of that? It's, you know, hilarious when you really think about it. And he was like, I was like, I just ovulate, like I'm ovulating maybe. And he was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, God is so good just to be like, I'm here. Do you see that I can bring life mm-hmm. and I can take care of life and I can do what doctor said your body can't do on your own? I was like, okay, God, I see you. Yes, I trust. And so it was so freeing to go into biopsies like that. Even the tech was like, you're so calm for someone your age to be doing this. Because at that time I was like 26, 27, 28. Do you know that I cannot remember? Um, <laughs> and I could look it up. but And um, I was like, I just told her, I was like, I the Lord just told me this morning that he's with me in this. And pfft, she was like, okay. <laughs> and so sure enough, um, got both um, biopsied, huge needles, iced up. And my husband and I were like, well, we got to try. Like he's given us a sign. Like we got to try. Total mechanical, you know, one of those right. just laugh about. And um, two weeks later, I found out um, on the same day that I did not have cancer and that I was pregnant. And oh my goodness. I just remember like from the biopsy morning till that morning, like his timing and his presence, just like giving me like awe. Does that make sense? Where you're just like in awe of like his presence and that he's working and then he's active and it was just crazy. So that is the story of Carter, my six-year-old and what a total miracle he is and um, you know, when we, when we wait in the hope of the Lord and then our journey continued, um, at that point we'd already been leading a support group. Um, I just felt called to. And so okay, let's stop right there. So tell me yeah. in the, in the middle of your, in the middle of your chaos, in the middle of your mess, how did you do that? How did you initiate a group? How'd you find people oh. to be in your group? Cause people may be like, I really would love to do that. Yeah. So that's what we do with waiting in hope now is we help launch um, local support groups that are biblically based. Um, we like to partner with churches. Um, this is all because of what God has shown us through what I did and went through. Um, so at the time there was no support for me. There was no, Mm -hmm. me, 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 there was nothing. And I was like, there's gotta be other people dealing with this. I'm in a huge church and not everyone has babies around here and it feels like it but not everyone does. And so I know. So, um, and here we are like five years into marriage, you know, already getting all the questions. And, um, I went to my women's pastor at the church and just said, my women's director. And I said, this is what I'm going through. Is there anyone else? Is there anything I can be a part of? You know, let me know how I can help. She's like, actually, there's a huge need. She already knew me. And she was like, would you be willing to help? And I was like, Oh, I did say I'm willing. So yeah. (laughs) Okay, Lord. And there it started. She put me in connection with someone else who had just reached out because only the Holy Spirit can put those things together. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I already knew her. She was in our Sunday school class, our young marrieds class. And there was two others in there that we had no idea. 
And wow. so here we are, we start to meet and, and get together and it just grew from there. You know, like at first we're just talking and figuring out whatever we need to talk about and just accepting that, oh my goodness, we're all here and we know each other and we're not alone anymore. And then after that, it grew to me writing lessons and her writing lessons to what this really needed to be about and all that. And all that was God preparing for what Weighty and Hope would be. And I just had no idea. Like we even came up with a name because we were like, we don't want it to be about a baby or the future. Like we want it to be about right now. Like right. the season cannot be wasted, number one. And number two, um, regardless of a baby or what we're desiring or what we want, like God is more important than that. And we know that even though it doesn't feel like that. And so how can we like wait well in this? How can we wait in hope of the Lord and not just our own wants? And so it really became about that. Like we don't wait aimlessly. We Mm -hmm. wait because we know we have a greater hope of eternity. And we know we have a greater hope of someone who holds us in their hand and takes care of us, just like I experienced with my biopsies. And so that's kind of where that started. And it just grew from there. And um, it was one of the most beautiful things to take part in, honestly, like still overwhelmed that God would allow me to, to, to walk beside others, to be walked beside and to, you know, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those rejoice was, um, was the closest I feel like I have been to understanding Christ, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so when you really step into someone's junk and their aches and your own aches, but you also rejoice with their, um, beautiful moments and what God's doing, there's so much healing that takes place. It's, Mm -hmm. it, it, I don't even know, like I still stumble for words for what God did and believe me, it took a long time to get there. Um, and I watched a lot of hearts struggle through it. You know, I had women who'd step away for two years cause they just weren't ready for a group and God did a work in their hearts. And then they came back and they had been angry and frustrated and God came back and brought them back. God didn't come back. God brought them back. And the thing is I watched as their hearts did a 180 and then they became leaders because they were ready to give back what he had given to them. And, you know, they didn't have kids. They didn't have answers. They actually then went through six miscarriages and God had prepared them for that. And there's no way they would have been able to walk through that otherwise, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know why I went on that tangent. Someone needed that. (laughs) I kind of took you off your story there. So (laughs) And you were saying about your group. (laughs) Yes. And so Waiting Hope had been started for a while and I actually stepped away from it because um, I had been given a baby and I thought that that was what was supposed to happen and that it was uncomfortable for others. And so I stepped away and the group fell apart eventually because the other leader had to move and, um, And hopelessness kind of had set in and there wasn't direction. And God just showed us a lot of what it needed to be for waiting and hope and what we would set up and do later. And so God called me back to it through painful um, loss. Um, So we were back in secondary infertility. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd had enough of it. I was like, God, we are done with this. Check. Let's move on. I learned my lessons. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. I have had a baby and all the things like, good, let's move in to the next season. And he said, no, I want you to be in this season. I want you to understand what I'm asking of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there we went and, um, we got pregnant pretty quickly. We actually thought we were going to head towards adoption and I was pushing for adoption 
um, partly because it's something we've always wanted and partly because I wanted to be done with um, the pain of infertility. Like I don't think emotionally I was fully ready. And um, my husband said, I just don't think we're supposed to adopt right now. Like let's, um, and through some other situations, God's provision, like a bunch of money had been just like quickly disappeared in our lives and like not disappeared. It was like two cars broke and they were like, we don't know what has happened. And, um, both my computer drives had crashed and I was a graphic designer at that point. So that's pretty much a big deal. And it was like $10,000 all at once was just like gone Mm. within two weeks. And so we were like, okay, well we can't ignore that. God clearly is not asking us to adopt right this second. And so let's just keep asking. So we stopped um, protecting and started trying again and started putting money away again because clearly we had to regain that. And we're like, whatever God decides to do, we're ready for either one. And just, you know, open hand and surrendered and got pregnant really quick and was so surprised. I was like, Lord, thank you. Like, finally, it's easy, Um, which was such a like selfish mindset, but it was honest. Like I was not ready for the pain of infertility again. And, and, um, we told all of our family and it was about, we were at 10 weeks and, um, had already like seen the baby. And then there was no growth when we went back and we ended up naming her hope because it was clear that we were supposed to restart we and hope at that time, everyone that I had walked beside was going through it again or was um, calling me with like new losses or pain or whatever it may be. And it was like, everyone was coming back out of the woodwork. And I was like, oh, all right, oh, wow. Lord, like this is pretty clear. And my my um, women's director called again and was like, hey, the, the church is asking for this group again. You know, would you be willing to do something? And I was like, well, I was about to call you and tell you about what is actually happening. I am wow. the loss of um, what we call our daughter and, um, yeah, so I'm ready, whatever you have and whatever you think. And so we, um, started the group again and God gave me very clear vision after that. And we didn't understand what it was really, but, um, knew he was like, you're all in. And I was like, okay, even though it took me, I went to counseling when I was in secondary infertility and leading the group again, I'd already done it during primary, which I highly suggest just to process the thoughts and the feelings. Mm -hmm. A group is great, but it can't do all that you need, um, fully. And so I was back at counseling just to accept that I was in this season again, (laughs) because like I had not accepted the reality of the pain and, um, the grief, you know, like it's like, it is death and it is continual death because you're reminded of, um, what you've lost and what you haven't been able to have. And so I just needed to work through those and need someone to step beside me. So yeah, I went through that and then, um, started the group again. And then three months after that was pregnant, um, with my now, um, three-year-old son, Grayson. And that one was totally unexpected. We weren't trying, we weren't just, we were honestly on a break because I was so worn out from all of it. And, um, he has been the surprise of like, just who he is and what God teaches us through him. And, um, so, and also what God taught us, taught us for waiting and hope, like we need each other, even in, um, Pregnancy is what I learned because if it's been a struggle, it's still a struggle. It's not like infertility all of a sudden ends and is over within your heart once you are pregnant. Yeah. Um, 
or once you're a mama. Like it just doesn't happen that way. Like if you don't deal with the infertility heart issues that we all have, then they come up regardless. Mm. It's like yeah, grief. If you don't deal with it, it still comes. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So that's really my full infertility story besides where we're at right now. I mean, I always say you're never really out of infertility once you've been in infertility. I know that's not really encouraging. <laughs> no one really wants to hear that. But the beautiful thing I think about that saying is that it changes us and it should change us. It should make us yeah. more passionate, more empathetic. I'm sure you are, right? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, yeah, every, I, I can't even, I don't know who I'd be without all of this. I, I'd probably be very self-absorbed, <laughs> very, very shallow probably because this has been the biggest struggle of our lives and it's made us who we are and made our relationship with God what it is and our marriage what it is, mm. all of it. I love that. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about the Lord is that he's so gracious to to allow pain and into our lives to refine us, you know, like diamonds don't become diamonds overnight. And, um, I think, you know, you're probably more beautiful. I know I'm more beautiful in my heart Mm -hmm. and who I am because of this junk. Yeah. And, you know, the question is why does God allow, or why does God, you know, does God cause this? And the reality is we live in a broken world where our bodies are in constant decay. I mean, we're getting one closer, one day closer to death. I heard somebody say that we're dying every day because we're getting one day closer and our bodies are broken. And so we deal with infertility, but God doesn't just say, Oh, I'm sorry. The world's broken. Deal with it. He takes this broken, messy situation of infertility that happens and he uses it. And he said, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to bring good out of this pain. And what the enemy means to break you and destroy you and to tear you down I'm going to do the exact opposite. Yeah. He just doesn't waste it. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, he he brings such beauty from ashes. Like that's one of my favorite scriptures um, because he really does. Like he takes that, that, that pain. You know, it reminds us of Christ's death. He takes that pain of what death is and what ashes are and he rises it to um, – like Christ did, you know, he brings new life from it and he brings restoration and healing, um, and nearness and closeness. Like I didn't realize until infertility until these last several years of, of this battle that he really is all about his intimacy with you. And he's really all about this relationship. And, you know, yes, he's jealous God. And yes, he doesn't want our focus on a baby or our own hearts or our own desires, but he wants that closeness. And if it took the fire of infertility to refine me and bring me closer to him, then I'm thankful for it. And that took a long time to get to. Yeah. You don't get there the first day. No, no. You don't even get there the first year. But like, that's the beauty of what um, I feel like Waiting in Hope is now after. Like all our local leaders are after that with their members and um, our national team. And it is really like our curriculum is written for the hope that each of us will get to a point where our hearts are okay with that, that he's enough and mm-hmm. that we desire him more than anything else. Um, yeah. I had to learn within the first years of even my marriage, like he's not going to fulfill me. He's not going to make me happy. Yeah. You know? They're not here to make our, to fill our, our emotional bucket of needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is God's job. Yeah. Only God can, can, um, can care for me and take care of me in all the aspects that I need. So. And I think that's, 
speaking from, and I, I hope this comes across the right way, because I have children now on the other side, not, not necessarily the other side, because like you said, it's never really over, but if you don't acknowledge the issue of your heart when you're dealing with, when you're walking that road of infertility of this child, even if I get this child, he can't, you know, this child cannot emotionally fulfill me. He, he's not going to f- answer every need I have in my life. Only you can do that, Lord. Only you can. F- so I want to learn that right now with you in this hard, hard season. Amen. Then when you have that child, when God does give you that desire of your heart one day, you will have to face that then because they will not fulfill you. And it becomes, they can become your own version of, of like a little mini idol, like a little God. And they just, they're not, they're not made for that. And so learn it now so that you don't have to learn it yeah. with your little baby and your little toddler and your little five-year-old running around. Um, totally. No, like you said it so well. Um, one of my favorite quotes, um, I guess maybe I said it or maybe someone in our leadership. I just can't even remember anymore. Um, you know, if we get the end of this journey with our heart's desire of a baby in our arms, but our hearts are still empty and without more of Jesus, then we've missed the true point and are still yeah. empty. A baby, regardless of how much we desire it, can and never will fill the hole in our hearts that God created for himself. Mm. And like, That's good. it's not easy in those hard um, months to months, day to day, like waiting frustrations, but like he is always after our heart more than he's after our circumstances or the trial or what is right before us. And there's a, like, I, I feel like if you're maybe new to the faith, you might be like, well, that's just rude. Like, why is he, why is he so self-absorbed that he wants us to want him more than a baby? Like, I want a baby. Why can't he just make that happen? That'll make me happy. But I think you've got to know, God knows ultimately the only thing that will satisfy you forever. And the only thing that will fill your heart is him. And he knows that. So it's out of love for you that he does, that he, that he allows us to walk through these seasons and he uses this for our good because he knows that a baby or a house or more money or whatever it is that you're striving for, that will never fill this hole. And so he's out of his love for, I know what's best for you. Just listen to me. Yeah. Because I created you. Yes. He created us. And I think we forget that we get into our own mentality of like, we're in control, I think, and we are running this race and doing our life. And it's so easy, even as a Christian, regardless of being a non-Christian, um, to just be like, this is my thing. I got it. I'm powerful. I'm strong. The Christian culture world tells me I am a woman and hear me roar. Um, you know, God's put so much in me. But I think what broke me in infertility is that in a good way, like broken and put back together with gold, like is that I was not in control. And for mm-hmm. a person who's not even a type A or controller, like I was very much feeling like I needed to be in control of everything because everything, which is a coping mechanism, and they teach that in counseling, is that, you know, you're trying to control everything because everything's out of control, you know? And it took me like realizing that God even works in chaos. Like he wasn't unpresent for David when he was being sought after and attacked or when he turned to Bathsheba and his heart turned away or all the things he went through, like God was, you know, David said to be a man after God's own heart. Um, God was continually turning his heart back to him. And so it wasn't out of 
meanness that God allowed David to be sought after or for him to fall into, you know, a great sin as, you know, killing someone and taking their wife, like, you know, like crazy sins. But yet um, he was continually turning God's heart back to him. And I feel like David is such a good example for us of like, don't get distracted by all the things and the chaos around you. There are those who seek your life and there are those circumstances that want to take you down in the enemy. But like, I am here. If you just keep looking at me, like Peter walking on the water, just keep looking at me. You can keep coming towards me and it's going to be a lot easier. You yeah. see all the storm and the water and the things that are actually happening and you're, you sink like <laughs> yeah, clearly because he's got to be the one holding us in his hand. Like I go back to that test, like, and me headed towards biopsies. Like he was holding me and I knew that, like, I got your life. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I want to yeah. help me. It's so funny that just before we started this interview, I came downstairs and just tried to have a few minutes by myself and, and have some quiet time. And the devotional that I'm reading right now, it's like a daily, um, you read a page a day and it's new morning mercies by Paul David Tripp. Yes. It is so good. Um, but today's thing was all about, there are two kingdoms that we wake up to. And one is the kingdom that we try to build. And one is the king, the kingdom of God. And he, and the top of the page says somehow, some way your little kingdom will look very attractive to you today, Mm. but it is the very kingdom from which grace works unrelentingly to rescue you from because yeah, it's attractive to think like, let me build my kingdom. Let me go my way. Let me, let me get this baby. Let me do what I want. But God's like, just like with David, no, no, let me allow my grace to pull you back to what's, what the most Mm. important thing is. And that's me. Mm. That's beautiful. So we could talk all day about that because we've seen that so much in our own lives. (laughs) So I know you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but just in case there's some listeners out there that are facing, you know, infertility plus like infertility plus cancer plus health issues plus, you know, parents maybe dying or a family member that's, you know, that's going through a lot of health issues. It just seems cruel that they're having to face infertility plus. Mm -hmm. So talk about a little bit more about how you processed that with God when all that was happening and what kind of, I mean, I know we kind of have been talking about it, but what has brought you, what brought you back to that place of faith? Yeah. I mean, infertility plus, that's such a great visual. Um, Cause you know, yeah. Infertility should be enough, right? Like I feel like oh, yeah. in my journey. <laughs> it's all you can handle. I know. Um, so many times in my journey, even currently right now, as I sit and just some stuff that's about to happen, I'm like, hasn't it been enough, Lord? Like, I'm good. Like, please give me a pass. I want to collect $200 and just like coast. Um, <laughs> and in God's grace, he's like, I'm not going to let you coast because coast is comfortable and I don't need you comfortable, Kelly. And so then I take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you really want to teach me? Because in my mind, I would rather just lay in my bed or just get comfortable and keep living out the daily, whatever is right before me and steals my attention. And he's, he's gracious to be like, no, there's so much more for you and so much more I have for you. And I don't understand that, but he does. And so an infertility plus like with cancer scares and with, um, miscarriage deaths and with surgeries and with, um, we even had more, um, Callie, we haven't even touched on the iceberg. I had a major house fire that moved us. Um, oh my goodness. Like I didn't know this. Yeah. Just things on things. Um, I really, oh my gosh. yeah, it could fill a whole book if I was a good writer. Um, <laughs> and so 
You know, you don't got time for that. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. who has time for that right now? Anyone want to be a ghostwriter? Come, come forward. Yeah. We will we'll do that. But my, you know, like I was just reminded that my help comes from the Lord. The more I dug into, I mean, Psalms became my cry in most of the heaviest seasons of my infertility. And honestly, like I know that's so cliche and like, you know, just open the Bible, but literally just open Psalms. And if you have nowhere else to go, just open Psalms. And yeah, literally the book I just told you about, the page before today, it's so funny. This is all wrapping around. It's all about how Psalms is, if anything, Psalms teaches us that that we are allowed to cry out. And it was all the cries in Psalms. <laughs> so, yes. Go, go God. Yes. The, um, and, you know, there's so many that I love. But Psalms 121, just he protects us. You know, God protects us. And that's what it's all about. And that he helps and that he comes and that the, that the help comes from the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. like you think about that song, where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's so true, but, but we have to take our eyes off ourselves. And so infertility is all about self. And so much so that it can rip apart our marriages and it can rip apart our friendships and it can rip apart everything with around us if we're not careful. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And so Mm -hmm. like find some people around you. Let me come beside you. Let Callie come beside you and look, let's help you and fight with you so that it doesn't tear you apart because that's the last thing you need. You need your help to come from the Lord. You need for him to build you back up and put you back together better than you were before. And, you know, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You know, like, does my help come from the mountains? Does my help come from um, me getting a baby? Does my help come from all these things that we could think? Does my help come from doctors? Does my help come from, um, you know, that family member not dying or that, that cure or that healing or that prayer answered? Um Ultimately, the answer should be no. That is not where our help comes to. I don't look up to the hills for my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and Mm -hmm. earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you from stumbling. Behold, he who keeps Israel, who protected them for years, even when they were 400 years in slavery and thought they were dying, he neither slumbered nor slept. He knew what was going on with them. He heard every cry. Mm -hmm. He did not turn his back on them, even though we feel like he's turned our back on us. He has never. And that's, I had to continually just go back to truth and people had to continually just pour truth over me because there was times where I couldn't hold myself up. I couldn't turn to the Bible. I couldn't pray. And y'all like, that's my journey. And people walked in, in that time. And that's what I ask and what I want for, you know, for this community and for waiting and hope. And for, um, all of us is that, in the junk, we'd learn how to walk beside people and be like, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I am going to turn you to truth because that's all you got right now. And yeah, I'm not going to let you wallow in self-pity. We're going to, we're going to fight this together. Yes. Like we can wait and we can wallow or we can wait and hope and move forward. And where Mm -hmm. do we step next? And so that was really just, I I didn't want to be stuck. Like no one wants to get stuck. And I felt stuck a lot. And so thank God for his grace of others to pull me out of that muck. You know, there's, um, I think it's Psalm 40. I was reading this week in preparations of my heart just because I'm going through some really hard things right now. And it's also about he's my help and my deliverer. And I read this at our couples retreat back in February and God just used it and he's using it again. 
I love how scripture continually like opens up and he, um, he waited, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He never forgot me. He drew me in from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog from the fog that was before me and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And that was really like, God is just so good. That was what he was always after within my heart. And I just never realized it until later that like he had me realize it was not about myself. And I had to realize that regardless of medicine and of diagnosis and this identity that wanted to be put on me, that he was going to put a new song in me and that he was going to, to, to allow this to bless others, to let them see the Lord. If I put myself aside, you know, if I took up my cross and died to it and carried it every day, which I think that that's one of those cliche verses that we don't understand, but that's what it was about. Like die to self, right? Accept what he, who he is and that he loves you and that even though it's painful because this world has fallen, that he's going to do something with it. Right. Because he's gracious and he's loving. And, you know, even, I don't know, I could go on and on, Job and Jonah. And there's so many examples of how yeah. he was loving even in our, our crappy attitudes and our junk. You know, Jonah hid underneath a tree and said it would be better to die than to talk to – Nineveh. <laughs> right. Yeah, take me back to the fish. But that's what we do, right? Just put me back in in the pit because I don't want to move forward. Yeah. Let me wallow. <laughs> oh, when I wallowed, don't you worry. I wallowed. It was ugly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wallow. I still wallow. We, we all have our moments where we wallow, but it's getting back out. It's, it's allowing him to put our feet on that rock. Yeah. And going, okay, I'm not going to get stuck on, on – this smog or this, uh, you know, this fog that I see, I'm going to allow mm-hmm. him to, to set me there and to give me truth and to be like, okay, I can stand on that. Right. Can't stand on what everything else is around me because it's fallen apart, but I can stand on that. Yeah. Well, just in case our listeners are like, well, you have two kids and you don't have breast cancer, so you're good. It's easy for you to say that. Um, you've hinted at it. Let's talk about what you're dealing with right now. Um, pain. Uh, so I have dealt with, and I've told people this for a while who followed me, um, I've had chronic migraines and pain for my whole life. And I know that that's like such a small thing. Um, but for me, it's really disabling. And in college, it had to be disability and I didn't understand why. And, um, it's been like that, um, that, prick of the heel. It's been the thing that the Lord has just mm. used over and over again for me to refine me to like, I need more things at this point. I'm like, infertility is enough. And my health issues are enough. Like take it away, Lord. But he has, um, he has, it's been painful and frustrating. I have fought with him over it over and over and over again. And, um, so the pain has gotten worse and worse um, to no avail. And I have sought treatment over and over again at different times in my life. And, um, right now over the last years, it is, um, the last year, specifically the spring, um, it's gone to numbness and to, um, pains and to neck and head issues and dizziness and, um, numbness throughout my face and arms and just weird to the point where I knew wow. something was more wrong, but I didn't, it had become my norm. Like, 
it had become my norm, just like infertility for a while had become my norm. And I was like, this is just life. Like, this is just life. And it took a doctor being like, no, this is not okay. That You can't live like this and something's not okay. You know, just like those friends who'd be like, we're not staying here. We're not staying like this. And so he kind of yeah. was like, I'm going to get you more MRIs. I'm going to get you more testing. We're going to figure out what's going on here. And so after a lot of doctor's appointments, I was back in my infertility season in every way possible. Um, the unknowns, the pain, the struggle, the tenderness, the rawness. Like you can even hear it in my voice right now. Like I'm so – there's tears. Um, it brought me right back there. And God needed to do that. Like needed to do that for waiting and hope and the ministry that he's somehow given me and needed to do it for my own heart, for forgetting what I had been through and what I needed to not lose focus of. Because honestly, I'd gotten into the daily and had forgotten where my hope comes from, where my um, rock and, and foundation is. And, um, and with pain, you can't ignore where your heart is. And so, um, I was brought back to there. Like we thought this year we would adopt and we would do all these things that we really wanted to get to do and God had different plans. And so, um, after a full summer of every doctor and testing imaginable, I have no autoimmune disease. I have no, all these things I could go down the list. And, um, but I do have an answer, which is like such a gift from God. 21 years of prayers finally answered. And, um, and it's just like Psalm 40, like he has put a new song in my, in my, um, in my heart to praise God, because I never thought an answer would ever come. Honestly, mm. just like, I never thought there'd be a baby. I never thought there'd be solutions, um, in mm. that way. And granted it is not an easy one. Um, it's surgery. And so I have what is called Chiari malformation, um, which means my brain is larger than my skull. I'm really smart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I think it means. Yeah. Um, no, basically it means I've always had a child size head and I guess it never grew and my brain is adult size. So um, the skull ca cavity like that holds um, my part of my brain, my cerebellum comes out down into my C1. So it heads towards like spine and a spinal cord mm -hmm. and stuff. It can be as bad to where it's like attached and things like that. And I'm so lucky and, and, um, grateful that it's not that severe. Um, but they do need to operate on it because my cerebellum is being pinched constantly, which causes mm -hmm. the numbness and the feet pain and the, um, uh, the amount of issues that I have that have never made sense. So, um, it all makes sense, but it's not easy. And, um, so what do they do? They make your skull bigger. Um, I wish, um, they go in and they cut my skull in the back and they remove some space to leave room for the brain to expand and to, um, brain, brain fluid to, you know, move around. Cause right now it's kind of trapped in some places and it also allows that cerebellum to not be pinched in that, like, where it comes down into. So they'll remove that section that's, like, hitting it. Um, wow. So, yeah, I'm going to have some brain surgery because that's normal. <laughs> yeah. I have, and that's coming up in a few weeks. Yes, very soon. And so I just told some of my Waiting Hope leadership and I'm about to start telling some more of the public. Um, just so, for me, it's really um, – 
not as scary as it should be. Like my husband's like watched this um, surgery because he's cruel to himself and he. Oh my her. goodness, that's terrible. He's watched like YouTube versions and like, oh, different gross. things. I'm like, stop doing that. But I haven't. But I know enough to know what's going to happen. But I'm actually like not afraid. And you know what? Like if this had been before, like I've asked God, like why this timing, like. 21 years, like, could you have answered sooner? I'm like, straight up the Israelites. I'm like, couldn't you have rescued us sooner from, um, um, <laughs> from Egypt? And he, you know, and, and it's become clear and clear. Like if this would have happened, honestly, Callie, before infertility, before my cancer scare, before the grief of losing three babies, um, cause there was a miscarriage in there. I didn't even share about, um, Nothing. like, I don't think I would be able to be hopeful, joyful, calm, peaceful. Like he has put all of those joys of this, of the fruits of the spirit in me because of the struggles that I've gone through that have created this intimacy with him and this understanding of who he is even better. And so mm. I am not afraid. Like I'm tearful because I'm rejoicing that I have an answer. I'm tearful mm. because I'm like, thank you, God. Like there's a hope of me not having pain anymore. And um, a sweet person in my life this last year that God just provided wrote on my mirror recently when I was like in my bed for two weeks in pain. And um, like not like lazy in bed, like couldn't function. And she wrote on my mirror, H dot o dot p dot e dot and it said hold on pain ends hope mm. and I was like yes mm. um because with God he makes all things new and not that this is new and wrapped up within a bow like not that I think everything will be easier and better after this you know they gave me a it'll be 70 to 90 percent potentially better and I was like, I'll take it, you know, yeah. um, yeah. because at this point, like I can't function most of the time. And that's been really frustrating with the Lord, but it's also been, um, a thing that's pulled me to him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm, when I'm weak, he's strong. And I've known that verse even better. And it's so true. Like the weaker we are, the more able we allow him to hold us and to make us strong. And then we're stronger. And so, yeah, that's what's happening right now. And, um, you know, granted, I would love for it to just be a pill and to be easy. Um, and it's going to be some serious recovery and I'm not naive about that. Um, and it's a scary thing. Like my parents are, I think, freaking out. Um, I am not. And I think that is only because of what he's already brought me through. Mm. I don't know. He that. uses it all. Yeah. And so I wouldn't write this. I would have never asked for infertility. would have never asked for my mom to have cancer or me to think I was or losses and babies in heaven. Like I would have not asked for any of this, but I would do it all over again to have learned the lessons I learned, to have grown in this intimacy, to have these new friendships I would have never had that are so much deeper, so much sweeter, um, like have this shared um camaraderie that is only from pain and struggle and hardship like infertility people get infertility people 
and Christian infertility sisters, like it's a whole nother level. I feel like I have friends from this that we get each other better than anyone could ever. And pain does that. And yeah. Well, Kelly, we are going to be praying for you. Um, I think this will air probably about the same time. So we're going to be praying for you when we hear this and just praying for your recovery. And thank you so much for allowing God to use all of these things that I mean, nobody would ask for. And you are just, God, you're allowing God to use it and with a grateful heart. And it's just a really beautiful thing. Mm, Thank you so much. And that is like, I'm tearful right now thinking that it could air close to the same time. Like even that is God's just tenderness and his compassion, you know, um, to realize I have more out there who will be praying and that will um, know it's happening, that I'm not alone. It's really sweet. So thank you. So when you're listening to this, possibly laying up there in recovery, do you want to tell yourself anything? <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. God's got you, girl. Yeah, you are in his hand. Even your your brave and, um, surgeons, you know, like he's got all of that. And that's what I rest in and, and trust in because otherwise the alternative is scarier. So, well, thanks for coming on today, Kelly. Thank you so much. It was a joy. Oh, I just loved her. I could have talked to her for forever. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. The kind of people who can walk through the fire and still worship Jesus with complete trust and complete joy. And that's why I love having these conversations because for some of you, maybe you don't have anyone in your life like Kelly. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you to listen to these episodes, to these women's stories on repeat. Let these women help lift you out of that fog that Psalms 40 talks about, or at least point you to the one who can. And maybe some of you are even ready to take a bigger step, and that's finding a support group like what Kelly talked about. There are so many options out there available to us. Whatever city or state you live in, if there's not one, there's online support groups. If, if you're interested in that, please reach out to me. We would love to help get you connected. And Kelly... We know you're just a few days away from this surgery, and that surgery would scare most people. But we know your strength comes from something far greater than anything of this world. We are praying for you, friend. We are praying for you leading up to next Thursday, and we'll continue to pray for your recovery and your healing. God is holding you today just like he held you on that day of your biopsies. Thank you so much for taking time out and sharing your story with us. Praying for you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.